Welcome back to the Velo Chumps podcast. We have another, what I'll call a regular episode for you tonight, but it's it's actually a little bit different. It's just Chad Locker and myself, because everyone else is either racing or just doesn't ride bikes anymore. So that's kind of where we stand. Actually, I did see Randy put a pretty decent ride down on Strava either this morning or yesterday. I was impressed. I gave him kudos. Did you see that, Chad, that, that Randy did a ride? It's uh, Probably not, because you're not used to looking I for him. I, I, I'm like awful, like at following other people, like on Strava, like I only mm -hmm. care if someone really gives me kudos, but I'm horrible. I'm like, yeah. I'm like not the person you should like, Chad should follow me on Strava. Like I don't hand out enough kudos. Like I'm, I'm a, I'm a bad, Man. bad Strava community member. I gotta admit. So yeah. at the end of the year, you, you have given far less kudos than you've received. Is that what you're saying? I'm, I, I have. I don't really pay attention to those metrics, but I'm I'm positive that is true. And if you <laughs> if you are like being if you you know are having me follow you, I I apologize now. I'm so sorry. Yes, yeah, awesome. that is true. That's awesome. So so yeah. So uh, Randy's not here, but uh, I don't know what his excuse is. But Mike and Ryan are both in Leadville, Colorado, as we speak, and they are preparing for the big race. Big shout out to Mike. He already completed the stage race and shout out to him. He completed it with a broken hand. So that's right up the alley for Mike Green, right? Right, Chad? <laughs> that, is, that is like, it's absolutely epic. It's yes. it's just, you know, it's, you know what this is? This is, this is a great segue, like tie in to the racing of this week. Like the fact that Matthew Vanderpool wrecked and then finished the world championships, like with a win. Yep. It's it's equally as epic that that Mike Green has like broken his wrist in the stage races and then is moving up gates as we speak. Yeah, I yeah. think he, he with with broke. a broken hand. Yeah. Like that's that's MG. Like mm -hmm. that is awesome, right? It's Absolutely. par for the course. It's so cool. Yeah, so definitely big shout out, big kudos to MG for not only breaking his hand and giving us a good story, but also finishing the stage race with enough time to spare that he was it moved up a corral for the big yeah. race coming up on Saturday. So we are going to be, uh, Chad and I are going to be following the rest of the Velo Chumps. Uh, we're, we'll, we'll be following uh, Mike and Ryan and their progress on the big day Saturday. So we'll be rooting for them. So I, I'm going to guess that they have better things to do to prepare for the race than listen to this podcast before the race goes out. So hopefully by the time you guys hear this, uh, Mike and Ryan, that you've already completed the race and you, you understand, or you hear that we were rooting for you and, and cheering you along. So I'm kind of winded just thinking about where they're racing, to be honest, just like, I don't know if I have enough oxygen for the podcast, but for, I mean, if, if for those people who like don't appreciate what the Leadville 100 is, I mean, they, they're like a mile above the average sea level, right? Of where we are all Way sitting. above Denver. Right. I mean, they're just way up there. It is just knock 15, 20 watts off your FTP just to be racing up there. And these guys are going to hammer it for a century. And not, a, not, not just a cent, not like a century we do. I mean, this is like no. legit, crazy terrain, crazy climbing. It's an intense um, race. We'll put it that way. <laughs> it's a mountain bike century. This is not like your little, Oh, I did a road fond. No, so, this is legit. Chad, uh, um, on a different chat about Leadville, I saw someone posted that um, Lachlan Morton took a KOM on one of the climbs, one of these mountain bike climbs today. He, well, I'm sorry, he tied Keegan Swenson for a KOM on part of one of the climbs, I believe. And you want to guess what the KOM, this is Keegan Swenson and um, Lachlan Morton. You want to guess what the speed was on that KOM? Can you, well, can preface me here like what's the average gradient what's the average length no, not, now you're gonna make me like look up facts I, well i mean can you take a guess like are we talking eight percent average for like a mile or eight percent average for five miles no no no, no. So, it, was a, it was a short one it was a short one hold on i'll, I'll tell you in a second here um it was 0. 0.4 miles so not that long but uh 16 okay. 16.8 on a mountain bike Okay, if I were to ride that, my average speed is probably sub 10. I mean, if I've really got good legs, I'm probably doing nine miles an hour at best. At absolute best, I'm having my greatest well, day ever. So I'm going to say these guys are probably double digit. I'm going to say, you know, they're probably pushing close to 20, but I don't think they crested 20. No, is you're way miles. off, dude. You're way off. So I'm going to say 
I'm going to say they did off. 11. No, no? You're, way, you're way no. off. If you were able to do it in nine, you would be, you know, you would be legendary. Lachlan Morton did this in four minutes and 22 seconds at 5.5 miles per hour. So that's just so, to I mean, give you a... <laughs> so you're saying, like, the peak wasn't 16. You're oh, saying yeah, I don't this this was an average of 16? Average of 16, yeah. Like, I don't even know how that becomes a road. Like, right. that is, that's just erosion, and someone's mm-hmm. like, eh, I'm not going right to run around. Yeah, so um, anyway, the, the point is, this is not, I mean, this is not even the drift list these people are doing. These people are doing a legitimate race, legitimate riding at a crazy altitude, so with a broken hand in Mike's case, so, so you know, good for him. So this isn't like a little thing off the course. This this is part of the legit course. Yes, where Green and Ryan and are going to ride. Other, yes. The other, I don't. How many people are this? Four hundred, a thousand. I mean, there's. Yeah, I don't even know, but it's a lot. But a, yes, a bunch of ridiculous be people have paid to do this, and so what we can conclude here now is like twenty percent will ride it, and the rest are going to walk yeah. this. Yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah, because it's not even a case of do I have the will to turn the crank. It's just your wheels start to slip if you Correct. can't sit in the saddle. And then you, uh, if you've never ridden something like this, you know, if you put a pancake cog in the back and you got a 28 little cog on your crank, even, even if you can turn it at this point, this is so vertical that you are popping a wheelie. You are trying to hold yeah. your front wheel. Like, it's insane. You're trying to hold your front wheel down. You're trying to get traction. You're sitting in the saddle. You can't stand. Yeah, this doesn't sound like fun. No, I don't want to. But yeah, that's why that's why we're on this podcast and we're not in Leadville yet. <laughs> but but we are going to bring you the next episode after this one. We are going to bring you the recap from the Velo Chumps themselves, from Mike Green and from Ryan Brainer, who are going to detail and and recap their experience at the Leadville 100 Mountain Bike Race. So that's that's a preview of what's coming up. So definitely, you know, stay tuned in for that one. But that has not happened yet. So now we're going to, we're going to get into other bike stuff and we're going to talk a little bit about, uh, road bikes because Chad and I here are the, the, the roadies of the bunch. And, um, though that we, you know, we, we will ride other bikes, but you know, we're, we're the roadies of the bunch, but anyway, Chad, I would we, say my, my fleet would dictate that I'm yeah. not exclusively no, roadie not exclusively, I, but you know, I'm, a, I'm generally a bike problem in general. Yeah. Pretty much. If it has two wheels, I kind of yeah. want to build Really? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So anyway, um, we talked about this a little bit uh, internally on our on our little personal chat. But what we what I wanted to talk about and, and let's not get into the tech, Chad, let's not get into the details of this bike at all, because a it's kind of boring and B, we rag on specialized all the time for this stuff. But they did just release their new bike. But I don't want to talk about the bike. Let's not talk about the the specialized SL8. That's not the point of this conversation. What I want to talk about is the curious way in which they released it, and specifically when they released this bike, because I think that's interesting. I I think it was. They thought this was going to go much better than I, I, what it did. I, I, I it's mean, really what I'm thinking. Maybe, maybe they did, but that. And, and we'll get into that. I have some comments about that. But to, to preface this whole conversation, what I want to say is that typically, Chad, typically in you know the time you've been watching bike racing, wouldn't you say that the typical time to release a new road bike is the start of the Tour de France? Well, yeah. I mean, in terms mm-hmm. of sport performance, let's call it road cycling vernacular, right? I mean, this was the super bowl this is equivalent to you know nike coming out with football cleats or you know it's not as if football apparel ever you know hits the general consumer but in general if you are an avid road cyclist right it's we're talking peak summer july right where you may be thinking oh i got some fitness it's time to go buy a new bike and you're watching our super bowl of sports right for for Arguably for most people, right? The Tour de France, but you could argue Flanders for the spring, but Tour de France is probably the biggest event in the road cycling calendar. That's when you kind of want to do your product launch. You sort of want to be there. Everybody's going to watch it. Everybody's going to see it. The the publications are going to talk about it. Mm -hmm. Maybe you get, you know, Peacock or whatever to run an ad. You're going to have stuff in magazines. Yes. This is the time when you tell the world, I have something new. Please spend your money on this road cyclist of America. 
Europe, wherever you are. Yep. Right? Yeah. Right. And, and the other thing is, I would even say that not even for just the hardcore cycling fans, even for people that are interested, you know, like uh, Ryan was telling us his friend was wanted to get into road bikes. The Tour de France is the one bike race that transcends, you know, just normal cycling fans. Nobody that we know watches Flanders that are not bike fans, but we have Absolutely. a whole group of people getting into the Tour de France Fantasy League that had never even watched bike racing before this year. Right? Correct. So, right, right. Because you, even if you don't know anything about cycling, right, you know Tour yep. de France, you know Lance Armstrong, you know these kind of things. So you could figure this out that, okay, this is a thing I understand. This is like, I don't follow soccer, but I understand the World Cup Correct. is a pretty exactly. big deal, right? Okay. Exactly. So. So this is when Specialized launched the SLA, right? No. So what's interesting is, you know, when they did launch the SL7 was three years ago at the Tour de France. Ah, that seems like a great time. So what was, what was wrong with their marketing department? I don't know. So, I mean, just to throw it out there, I mean, Factor, for example, Look, for example. I mean, there's brands that did release new bikes during this year's Tour de France, but not specialized. Not specialized. Right. And in years past, as a, you know, I don't want to call myself like a Trek fanboy, but I do have a lot of Treks, right? Mm -hmm. Because I have there's truck dealers in the area. I'm friends with people who work there. So I can recall many, many Tour de France's where the newest Amonda, newest Madone has been kind of launched, maybe not right at the start, but like a week before, like at the prelim. Yep. Usually that's what it is, like leading into the event because they, hey, all of our new pro riders are going to be on this piece of equipment. Please buy our bike. Right? Exactly. Right. So like you just mentioned, that that's exactly what Specialized did. Uh, no. They, in fact, they, in fact, Chad, when did they decide to release this new SLA that just came out? At the other event that nobody else really follows, unless you're probably listening to our podcast, which is the World Championships of Cycling, which is pretty kind of esoteric, unless you're pretty. really sort of... <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like, if you would think about it, right, it, who would be the world champion of cycling you would probably think much like the world series, other sports, it's an accumulation thing, right? Who was the best of the season? No, no, we don't, no. we don't do that. <laughs> no, we do, we don't. no, we come up with one really bizarre race one day where if you just can beat everybody else in your sport on, on one, one day, day, on that one day, you get to be crowned world champion of the sport. And for the next 364 days, you get to wear a very special jersey in the Peloton that says you're the world champion. This is mm -hmm. this is like wearing the WWE, or if you're old enough, the WWF F. world title belt, right? Yeah. Like the whole year. This is what we do in cycling. It's very it, bizarre. It is strange. It's kind of like it's kind of like a unique spring classic race, usually, not yep. always, but it's a one-day race, epically big. The who's who of cycling compete to win the world champion jersey, which is for anybody who doesn't know, it's kind of a white jersey. It's an all white jersey, usually with a mm -hmm. rainbow. Spread. The rain, yep. like five or six primary colors are on this jersey. It's pretty ubiquitous. If you're the road champ, the cyclocross champ, the mountain bike champ, you get to compete at the one race of your particular specialty, right? Cyclocross. You go to the world championships race for that one day and get the rainbow stripes. I think even, Gravel Worlds now. Yes, UCI, has right? one. That's they, true. Gravel. You can now get the rainbow stripe for gravelness, mm -hmm. goodness, I guess. I don't know. Exactly. Now, Chad, you mentioned that probably nobody has heard of this unless you're listening to our podcast, but I would actually like to counter that. I bet you there's a lot of people that listen to our podcast that don't even know what the world championships are. So that's how esoteric this is. <laughs> there is a chance that we, if we had the full five Velo Chumps here, yeah. one in five may have not known not all the know what this is. Correct. Exactly. Exactly. So, so why do you think Specialized chose this oddball, esoteric, nobody watches type of race other than hardcore cyclists that, you know, the hardcore cyclists already know about these things. It was, you know, why, why do you think they picked this race to release this new bike? I can only imagine it was this. Okay, so <laughs> explain it to everybody. So when you go to the World Championships, the, re the whole rest of the year, if you were sponsored by... Yeah, this is team, another weird this thing is very about cool. this. So if you're sponsored by a team like Quickstep, you and your fellow teammates for Quickstep are competing in a race. And if you're on Jumbo Visma, you and your Jumbo Visma teammates are competing on a race, except for the World Championships, which is kind of like the Olympics of our sport in that you don't race for your team, you race for your country. 
So all the United States, the United States picks, what is it, five or six? I can't oh, remember the number. So this like, is another, let me, I just want to also bring point this out, which is also very strange, that typically, like, how many players are on a baseball team at once on the field? Now you're going to make me do stick and ball sports. It's, it's so you nine. Got, is it nine? Um, yeah, you got to do many the outfield. Football, how many football players are on the field at once? I, I really don't. 11. How many soccer players? 11, right? Well, yeah. guess what? In the world championships that is based on country, isn't it like the five? number of play, the number of riders on your team depends on your. It's so this is so bizarre. Like how how does this even happen? It's based on your nationality's ranking, based on the riders of your nationality how they perform during the World Tour season. So some team Belgium had nine <laughs> riders. But Poland had five, for example. Okay, so this is unfair. So again, for everyone, I'm going to divergence here. You race for your country, not for your pro contract team. Right. However, so you you will race for your country. You will race in your country's team colors. So USA is obviously a red, white, and blue kid. If you're Belgium, you've got the Belgium flag or as your kid. If you're Netherlands, for whatever reason, because you're Well, no, Belgium, remember... Belgium wears some sort of powder blue thing, not the. Um, but it and Italy wears the, blue. Yeah, Italy wears flag. blue. Yeah. Netherlands, no, no, no. no. Italy's flag is not blue, but they wear blue. But they wear blue, right? And the Dutch wear orange, orange. because there's orange. No, there's no orange on the Dutch flag. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. So you race for your country in your country's kit, except you will see all the riders on these teams riding the bikes and the equipment for the most part of their sponsor of their trade team. Of their trade team, right. So the, the guys who race for Trek are all on Madones, despite that the fact that they're not wearing Segafredo or Little Trek kit, they're wearing their country kit. So Quinn Simmons was wearing USA kit, riding his Trek with fellow USA guys who were probably on EF Education. Canadale, for example, yep. Canadale. Yep. So yeah, anyway, that, that's how this whole thing is, is laid out. It's very bizarre. Now you have to race with your fellow countrymen who could be on competing teams the entire rest of the year. You hate this guy, but for this one race... You have to hope that he's in your camp to help you as a teammate win, or you have to help him as a teammate win. It seems a little bit convoluted, right? But, right. So coming yeah. back to specialized, why did they pick this bizarre race okay. as because, the one so, to release so the spe- new bike? Yeah. So two things that I'm going to guess. So one, specialized probably has more bikes in the pro peloton on some of the biggest teams because they're they're probably one of the bigger contract sponsors. I think there are multiple teams that they right have three now. teams. Yeah. Three teams. So if your odds are Specialized has probably got the most number of their bikes potentially in the World Tour. So that bodes well that a Specialized bike may win. But the bigger factor was probably the fact that, um, you know, what they have last year's world champ, right? Uh, yes. Remco is on their bike yes. for quick step. So, yeah. so last year's world champ is on a Specialized. And I think, is that even true in the women's peloton? Are they on? Well, Annemiek von Vluten is the current. And she's on a canyon. She's the current yeah. world champion. She's on a canyon. But this year, the men's race was this past Sunday. Yes. Sixth, right? And the women's race is next Sunday, the 13th, at the time right. that we're recording this. But I'm sure I'm sure by the time you, as the listener, get around to this, it will be much later than the women's race. <laughs> but anyway. Yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. But my point is, they released it specifically for the men's race. Because yes. it's, it's a week later to the women's race, okay? So that's the an exact, important point. Right. On the exact day of the men's race, the embargo for this bike was lifted. Yes. The Specialized SL8, and all of the riders that were on Specialized teams are not riding their SL7s that they've ridden all year. Yeah, they're riding the Tour bike. Japan, spring class. They're now on this new bike, the SL8, which, unless you're really into cycling, you're going to have a hard time telling it apart from their old bike. But right, exactly. That, yeah, we're not going to. They're on the new bike, so this is this is it, right? The spe- you would release this bike because, as specialized, you you're suspecting that you have a high likelihood that your bike is going to win or place very well at this mm-hmm. race. Okay. And why and why I'll say that is you know Trek typically announces a Damani right around Roubaix time right because the damani is a classic spring endurance bike it has won roubaix multiple times so usually if trek is going to come out with a new damani they talk about it at roubaix or makes sense like that because 
they're going to win. And you're going to be like, oh, it won the event. I'm going to buy this bike because it's the best because it won, right? Which is what happened to Specializes. No. Nope, not at all. Now, I'm glad you said that, Chad, because this is the point I really wanted to make. That anybody who knew anything about cycling, and you would think Specialized, that makes bikes, manufactures bikes, might have someone that follows cycling a little bit. Anybody that knows... Yeah, yeah, hopefully. I'm certain. Yeah. Anybody that knows anything about cycling knows that this was not a course for Remco. Even Remco, I'm sure, knew that this was not... I think he even said as much this was not a course for him. So it was a very low probability this guy was going to win. But like you said, there's a lot of... um, There's there's a reason that they would want to release it on a on a race that they could win on the bike because that creates a marketing opportunity, right? Yes. Now, if we go back to the Tour de France and say, well, well, they weren't going to win the, they weren't going to win the world championship. Why wouldn't, then maybe they should have just released it the Tour de France. Now, if we go back to the Tour de France, the men's teams that are on specialized total energies, they did zil- zilcho was nothing. They were invisible for the tour. Bora I don't think anyone had very much, very high hopes for them. They did get into the yellow jersey for one day. Jai yeah. Henley was able to capture the jersey and then lost it the next day. It was almost by accident. He was let into the break. He almost snuck into the break and took enough time to take the jersey. Promptly lost it the next day. So I don't think anyone was expecting much from Bora. And they definitely weren't expecting much from Quick Step, who they did nothing until the very end. Askreen was able to win that one stage. So... I think Specialized looked at it and said, you know, there's not a lot of opportunity for us to make any marketing plays at the tour. And then, though, it looked like what they came up with was what you just said. Man, the best case we can is release it at the World Champs because there is a chance that Remco, being the defending champ, might really, really push himself to try to be in the rainbows for another year. But that was a long shot, don't you think? I mean, they weren't going to win. They were not going to win. We know this, right? Uh, it, it, yeah, the riders from the nationalities who had a specialized bike, it seemed pretty low probability. Here's the thing, Chad. Here's the thing. This is the point I want to make. And this is what I want to discuss with you. There was a race right around this same time where specialized was almost guaranteed to have exceptional success with their team. I mean, it was like a 99.9% chance that they would have dramatic marketing opportunities and there was a race that in fact started roughly one week before this men's world championship race do you happen to recall a race where specialized had quite a bit of success i'm i'm trying to recall we may have all been in a betting league we may have been in a betting league yes i i may have done okay in this- <laughs> Friendly, athletic <laughs> league. I mean, I, it's it's come to me maybe out of 1,500 people globally, I might have finished in the top 10. Sixth, eight. in fact. Sixth out of potentially 2,000 people in this, this competition. Which, which is kind of sad, really. I mean, I don't know that much about the sport, sadly, but I, apparently I know more than most. But yeah. yes, it, for those that don't know, right after the men's Tour de France ends, we have like for basically a little more than a week, we have the women's Tour de France. So it's Tour de France, Avec Zwift, or Tour de France. Tour de France from Avec Zwift. Zwift, whatever, that's the sponsor, so however you want to call that. So it's it's fantastic. It's like an eight-day, call it a stage race. It's literally the biggest race on the women's calendar, Mm -hmm. just as Tour de France is the biggest on the men's calendar. And there is kind of an overly stacked field on one Mm -hmm. particular team on the women's side. This is SD Works. And what, to, what bikes do they ride, Chad? They ride Specialized. Uh-huh. And they, yeah, and so they are pretty much a Belgian factory hit squad. I mean, there might be a couple of people on the team who aren't Belgium, but basically, if if you are a top echelon female cyclist, well, you have a 90% chance of probably being on this team right now because of the budget. Yeah, it's well, just Demi's on from the Netherlands. Right. But Chad, do you know the tagline of the both the SL7 and the SL8? Isn't it something like the fastest, best bike in the world? Or I don't know. That's it's probably something. what they say. Anyway, it's one one bike to rule them all. Because remember, yeah. it's not only more aero than the Venge or the, you know, their previous Aero's bike. It was also lighter than their um, Tarmac, their climbing bike. So it could do everything, yeah. right? And, and it would have been epic at this right. race. Had, so, so 
Yeah, go Here's ahead. Go, go with what you were going to say. You know, when we look at this one bike to to rule them all, they, Lorena Weebus dominated on a flat sprint stage. On what? What bike did on she win? On the uh, Specialized SL7. Um, okay. Tarmac SL7. And then you had I mean, a lot of... Is that considered like an aero sprinting bike? Because normally one, when you... It's one bike to rule them all. Okay, so we got an aero sprinting bike, and yep. it's like qualifies. Okay. Yep. And then you had a lot of a lot of Kopecky that was on the punchy stages. Took a lot of time. She was in the yellow jersey, so she was leading the race for actually the majority of the race. I think she was leading the race like five days, maybe. So for people who follow, usually when you got a punchy stage, you want again, you want kind of what like an aero bike that's got a little bit of lightweight to it. So yep, stiff. Yep. Stiff. So I guess an SL7 would still be the ideal bike for this yep. course. Okay, great. All right, yeah. we've got that. Yep. And then we had the um, stage seven. The penultimate stage was on the famous Tourmalet climb, an HC climb in the Pyrenees. Oh, well, well, it was two climbs, right? If, if I recall, didn't they go up another yeah. climb before? Es- the Espen, it was Espen, which is a smaller oh, one. And then... Hold that Espen. It's still, it's Tourmalet. a cat one. It's a cat yeah. one, cat two, leading so, into the tourmalade is a horrible climb. So when you are doing multiple categorized climbs on a true, what they call a mountain stage, yep. basically you spend all day going uphill, suffering and dying. Yep. You do not want an aero bike at all. A heavy you, want, one. you don't want a heavy one. You, you want a lightweight. You want a, climbing, you want a climbing bike. And so specialized climbing bike is. Oh, it's a Tarmac SL7 that Demi Vollering won on. And not only did she like, win, she dominated. It's almost like they have one bike that can rule them all. Okay, so they got one bike, and it did all of these things amazing. Mm-hmm. So whether you live in the rolling hills of middle of Midwest, this is a great bike. If you happen to live in Colorado and you're going to do big climbs, this is a good bike. If you live in the mm-hmm. Alps in Europe, this is a great bike. If yeah. you live someplace pancake flat, like the coastline of North Carolina and the Outer Banks, or you're living in what Belgium or whatever, this is probably an okay bike to have because you don't have a lot of climbs because it's aero, it's great. Imagine if they only would have had a new bike like an SL7 that could have done all these great things. Well, imagine if the riders on SD Works would have been riding the SL8 during the Tour de France Femme of X Zwift and demonstrated for everybody how great this one bike to rule them all was. And, and you know, it, what's what's fascinating to me is like this was not. A surprise to anyone. Everybody expected Lorena Weebus to dominate the sprint stages. Everybody expected Demi Vollering to outclimb everybody. Everybody knew that Lada Lada Kopecky would be a force to be reckoned with at this race. In fact, what I found really funny was on stage seven when Vollering took the yellow jersey over from her teammate Kopecky, who was in the yellow jersey at the time. Yeah. But Kopecky was in the green jersey for the points competition. So after stage seven, they produced two special Tarmac SL7s for a yellow one and a green one with a special paint job just for show because it was for stage eight was a time trial. They didn't even run the, ride the Tarmac. They rode their um, time trial bikes. So they, right. they made this big deal about these special ones, but it could have been the SL8. And, and Chad, what I'm, what, I'm, what I'm getting at here is it's baffling, baffling that Specialized couldn't have released that bike a week earlier with to such an incredible chance for them to, you know, obviously market all of the qualities of this bike, but they didn't. They instead decided to ro- roll it out at the men's world championship. And going back to your thing, there's a very, very, very good chance that someone on a Specialized bike will win the women's world championship next week, but they've already released it last week when... I, I think Remco might have been the best finisher at like seventeen no. or something. Was he? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because he was he was not the best finisher for his country. No, no, no. For but, the SL SL eight. I mean, the, the bike the was invisible. No, nobody did anything on that bike. But like, yeah. Well, I guess my question is, why would a bike brand? Why would they just simply overlook the best opportunity to have a a dominant race? I mean, just because it was a women's race, they, they it didn't even cross their mind that that would be the showcase for their new bike because it was a women's race? Yeah, I can't, what I can't understand, so if you would probably look at the, I don't know, the demographics or the Nielsen ratings or whatever it is that marketing firms use when they would, I'm assuming specialized, you know, interacts with other marketing firms to get their data yes. to figure out when's the best time to launch. 
this bike, I, you know, I guess amongst my friends, and I'm, I'm assuming we're the demographic to buy an mm-hmm. SL8 because not cheap bikes by any stretch of the I mean, like, what is it? The cheapest SL8 is probably a $5,000 build plus. At yeah, best, something. Right? Let's call it, yeah. So, I mean, that's not an inconsequential spend all the way up to probably 15000 I would assume the type of individual that's in the market to buy a new SL8 at launch is is us, right? Us and our friends, and at least my friends out here and, you know, where I live, we're, we were all watching this race. And yeah. I don't, I don't know that we would have thought any less of the bike, you know, cause it was in the, the women's category versus the men's category. I'd be like, that's phenomenal. Yeah. They, they hit the nail on the head with that. I would have thought like in bicycling or, you know, if there's any print publications left, or at least the online publications that are probably dominating now, you would have taken out pop-up ads or something that says, look mm-hmm. at our bike. This is great. And then, you know, the splash page that would have been on Specialized's website would have been. Oh, yeah. Within five days, they could have had, great, we launched this bike. And look, it's already dominating and winning uh, Tour de France Femmes. Yeah. Stages, jerseys, everything. And it's a week. It's yet one week earlier than the Men's World Championship that you could have this bike out in prime cycling weather season, right? Even if you're a fair weather cyclist, you're going to spend the rest of the summer or rest of the winter, rest of the fall in your pain cave because it's too cold. You probably would have bought the bike now. And they had them. They seem to have them. You can buy them now. So it wasn't a question of, oh, we're going to launch it now and inventories are short, so you're not going to get it till next year. No, we're talking about a week. Yeah, I mean, it was, it's like the bike launched. You can go to their site now, not that, not that we're advertising for them, but you can click and buy this second, basically, because I think everybody in the cycling industry post-COVID now has inventory to pretty much a yep. large degree. Yeah, I don't know. It seems like, to me, this would have been, yeah, we yeah. They, they had a pack. And there more, there's more than one, more than just SD Works, I think, in the women's field is running. I don't know. I think they're the only ones on, on Specialized, but it doesn't matter. They won everything. They, right. they dominated. Basically, they dominated. Not every single stage, but pretty darn close. And then if you f- would look at the men's field, like the three main spots on podium, there is no specialized bike there, right? You've got a Canyon, which I would say is the kind of the antithesis of specialized, mm-hmm. right? Yep, yep. So specialized, you go to your dealer, you got a support network, you could you pay an ultra premium to buy a specialized bike online. I would I would venture to guess outside of maybe Factor, someone like Pinarello, from a mainline bike, right? They have got the highest MSRP for an equivalent. Well, Conago, come on, man. Conagos yeah. are expensive. I'm not going to call that a, a mainline. <laughs> I'm going to say that's maybe more of a friend. But if you're looking, if you're talking specialized, you're talking Trek, you're talking Giant, you're talking Canada, yep. specialized bikes generally carry a premium. So yep. it's the most premium of those bikes. It wasn't on the pan. It wasn't on the podium at the men's nope. tour. The winner was Canyon, which is like the cheapest of the mainline brands because they're kind of a mail order direct to yep. consumer brand. That's their niche, right? Who was second on the podium was Cervelo, which I guess you could call a mainline. I think they're owned by the same conglomerate that owns Santa Cruz, but it's still yep. a very, very premium, equally as priced as a specialized bike. But I would say clearly not to the same dealer accessibility network, in my opinion, that specialized would give you. And then third place on the podium was the Colnago ridden by right um Pachacar. And then and then fourth place was Mads Penderson Trek. So, you know, we've got all of Specialized's worst nightmare winning better than them from a marketing yeah. standpoint at this event. Correct. And, and they had to see this coming. And and my point, like if you go back to what you were talking about with ratings, I'm confident that the Tour de France film had better ratings than the world championship. Well, especially since it was on O bikes, which yeah, nobody's watching I don't pay the US. for. I don't pay yeah. for. So for those who are like, if you buy Peacock, right? It's what is it? Yeah. Five or six bucks a month. Peacock has the Tour de France. It has the Vuelta. Vuelta. Does it have? Your, I can't remember it has what the else. ASL what races, Roubaix. Roubaix. So these are all in the kind of the NBC network. You get Peacock. That's six bucks a month. You get those races. So even oh, okay, I'm paying money for that. And then there's GCN. That's the other. There's races on that because cycling's very fragmented. Again, it's got to be somewhere around six to ten bucks a month. You get that, and then Eric, you have Flow. Yeah, I'm like covers, one of the few sup- subscribers that covers the World one, Championship and Flanders. Flanders, you're one of two people I know that have it because you're that diehard. And then 150 dollars a year for the year for the for like Stupid. I think there's I think there's five races, so you guys can go ahead and do the division yeah. on that. But definitely not six bucks a month no. to watch this. And at least if you have Peacock or something, I can watch whatever else is on. NBC, right, and their yeah. affiliate panels. Flow, you get, I don't know, you get some World Wrestling Cup Wrestling or something, it's stupid. I, I, I have no idea. 
nobody was watching that. Let me put it this way. Nobody in America was watching this race because right. nobody was dumb enough to pay $150 to watch the Except men's tour. Me. I did, I, and I'm hardcore, and I didn't even pay it. Right. I had like 15 Twitter feeds open to figure out what was going on in this race. Yeah. <laughs> but but again, this is this is all known to specialize. And, and I guess my point is the, the women's tour, the Tour de France film, they had better ratings. They had more exposure. And, and women's racing is just as exciting as men's racing. In fact, I believe the women's tour being eight days, we didn't have any snooze fest stages. I feel, I feel like the tour was better because the, you know, the women were out to, you know, the Alpachin Phoenix or they, they were like going after it. I mean, they were trying to make a, a name for themselves. I mean, we just had a lot of exciting racing. The racing is not, it's not inferior racing by any stretch from a spectator point of view, from a spectator no. point of view, it is extremely exciting. And like it, you said, we, we, we all would have been, I mean, it, it, to me, it just seemed like an obvious opportunity, but I feel like, I feel like they just, it was such an obvious miss from their marketing department that I have no other recourse than to believe that they are so old fashioned and they just didn't even, it didn't even cross their mind that a women's race would be somewhere to release a new bike. Cause it makes so much sense to us, but they just didn't do it. And it's, it's incredible that. We're still in this day and age in 2023 don't see women's racing as a valuable or the specialized marketing team or it's not even just specialized bike, you know, the bike industry, the marketing industry don't obviously see the women's side of things for the potential that's really there because the fans, the fans would have ate, ate that up. It was the corporate yeah. people that just this just have this this bias or whatever that's just and I think I feel like it hurt them. I feel like they missed a huge opportunity by by having this bias and not just doing the obvious thing because they were blinded and felt like, oh, yeah, well, women's like we, we wouldn't release a bike during a women's race, even though it makes yeah. so much sense. Yeah. And so I don't I, you know, I don't know what specialized, um, you know, marketing region breakout is for sales. Like if, if America is their most dominant sales, I'm going to assume not because I've got enough like friends and acquaintances that are in Europe. Yeah, that yeah. I follow on top and they have specialized bikes. So mm -hmm. I'm going to say that they, they probably have a pretty good split between sales in the North American region, Europe. I'm certain they sell well in the Asian, Asian markets. Yep, yep. So I'm pretty certain globally specialized must spread like peanut butter and they probably got pretty good sales everywhere. So I don't know if that played a factor in if we're more accepting of the women's tour here, maybe in North America. I don't know if there's other regions of the globe where women's cycling just isn't caught on yet that that would have been a hindrance for them okay they would have viewed it as something to stymie the brand i don't know okay let's let's run with that though so instead instead we're going to use the world championship which we just said was stupid it was backfired <laughs> it was a terrible idea it wasn't a bad race for the for the oh, i don't know no, no. it was a good race it was, it was just bad it was for specialized race. it was bad for i just specialized. don't think it was specialized right i'll agree with they, you on that they they, they look terrible now what i i guess my counter to what you just said is if you're specialized and you want to sell as many bikes as possible, I would suspect that you would want to ensure that women are as likely to buy a bicycle as men. Because last time I checked, women are roughly half of the global population. So <laughs> I, just I just don't know if I, yeah, are they as impulse buy driven to spend ridiculous amounts well, of money on the, 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 But that doesn't matter. I mean, I don't know. I, don't know. I would is, argue that $14,000 S-Works SLAs, maybe, maybe they're smarter than us and don't buy into but, marketing. But regardless, regardless, you want to market, <laughs> you want to market to women just as much as you want to market to men, because it's not like there's more men available to buy bikes. That's just not the case. Right. So you want to market to them. Right. So my point would be, you're, it's going to be a turd if you release it at the, world championship that's a stupid thing to do anyway so why not release it as the it, during the women's tour and s help bring notoriety and bring respect to the women's tour it, it could be a symbiotic thing where you are promoting women's racing which gets more women interested in bikes which helps you get more sales and it's 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 not going to be worse you, you release it during the women's tour you get all these mark all this marketing benefit it's not worse than releasing it during the world championship where they got zero I mean, it it seemed like even if even if you're what you're saying is that in the United States that we're more accepting of women's racing, even if that's the case, 
it still would have been a better play for them to release it during the women's tour for all yeah. of those reasons. It still would have been a better play. And so I'm 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 not going to sit here and accuse them of being sexist right. bigots. But I'm, what I am saying I is they, they yeah. just they just missed it. And I feel like it was a blind spot due to them just having antiquated mentality around. Oh, yeah, well, that's. We either release it during the Tour de France. Well, we don't have a good any good teams in the Tour de France, and they just had this blind spot missed. No, no, actually, in the women's Tour de France, we have the absolute best team, which is guaranteed to have results. Just, just, just so old-fashioned and stupid of them. And, yeah, and, and I don't, it's sad. I yeah, I don't, I don't know if the rest of the if specialized was old-fashioned in their marketing. I don't know for a fact if the North American market is more accepting of right. women's sports. But even if let's ignore all that, let's go back to the original premise, right? The first event was, we said the tour de France in general is yep. the Super Bowl of sports. And the fact that the women's tour de France literally starts on the day that the men's tour de France ends. So for any of us that are into cycling, it's not just the three weeks of the men's tour we get. Yep. We get like this bonus week now. We get the whole month of J- July, which my wife was so thankful that July was over as a month. <laughs> but pretty much ignored the family to watch cycling every single moment that it was on every single day. So there's a full month of cycling. So had they even debuted the SL8 at the start of the Tour de France is what most people assumed they were going to do. Even if the bike didn't perform well over three weeks of the Tour de France, it's three more weeks of the biggest event in cycling to advertise the bike. And oh, by the way, when the men's Tour de France ends, they could have had the cherry on top of the Sunday, which was we've got a fourth week of major publicity, major excitement around the Tour de France. And by the way, we're going to dominate that last week as the only bike brand that's going to basically win every day. The only thing I can say is, you know, we're looking on it in hindsight, 2020, armchair quarterbacks, we look great, right? (laughs) Looking back at this. But still, even looking, even then, it's hard to imagine. Like, why would you have not launched a summer sports product? Which you know, unless you're like Eric and I, who are nuts, and the rest of the village chumps who are going to ride in January, because why? I don't know. We, we ride outside like that, yeah. For most folks, it's a fair weather bike, right? You're going to ride it when the weather's nice outside. What better month is there than July? It's hard to imagine. I don't know. I'm I'm at a loss for it, man. I, yeah, I totally. don't work don't work in marketing for them. This is probably why I don't work in marketing for them. I don't know. Perhaps I don't know something, but or, I would have thought, you know, uh, maybe, maybe, maybe they need to get a few women mar- working in marketing for them. Because I bet you that if there was women working for Specialized, they would have been like in the meeting. Hey, by the way, there's this other race coming up where we know we're going to dominate. Maybe that should be something. I mean, you could it's easy to imagine knowing what we know that they released it at the dumb, the men's world championship where they had no chance of doing anything that you had a bunch of guys sitting around a conference room saying, okay, when are we going to release this? Let's release it. Well, let's see. I guess the best chance is Remco. Maybe if that a female, a woman in the room, she says, you know what guys, I think there's this rider Demi Vollering. She seems like she might have a few chances to win some stages. You know, we definitely know Lorena Weebus is a favorite on any sprint stage. Lada Kopecki's a pretty dominant rider. She might have a chance to make some noise. Like, that's probably where our best bet is. Like, you know, I'm sure if there was a female in the room, she she says something like that. It even if you, regardless of that, right? If you looked at who the two favorites were at the Tour de France Femmes, you had Demi Vollering on mm-hmm. a Specialized and Annemiek von Vluten on a Canyon. So you literally had a one, those, one of those two was going to win this. Yeah, that yeah, was, yeah, you had a 50% right, chance. Basically, and if you, we had the same thing in the men's side, right? You Either it was going to be Jonas or it was going to be Pachakar was going to yep. win, right? But either one of those was on a specialized. So it's like, right. okay, we are not going to win the Tour de France more than likely because we're not one of the two favorites. But you were one of the tour favorites at the Femmes. Right. It's like, correct. And it's just, I'm just saying they, they overlooked it and it's, you know, I guess my my point is it's, it's the state of everything in this world, like the state of where we sit with women's, I mean, we're talking about, we want to, we, I mean, you and I like watching women's racing. It's exciting. We are, we were just talking about 
we get a bonus week of racing. It's not like it's, yeah. oh, we get a week where like it's subpar racing, but we'll watch it anyway. No, this was as exciting racing as the first three weeks in the tour, if not more exciting, because there was some really snooze, snoozy days on the, on the tour. Remember they had the, the hard, hard mountain days, and then they had an easy flat day. And these people are rolling along like, like we could have kept up with them, which is, which is sad. So, I mean, there were some boring days in there. And so the point is, you, like you said, we had a bonus week of top-notch level racing. And, you know, we should be trying to promote that as an industry because, A, it's going to get more women into bikes. And, B, it's just going to – for us, we get a benefit. We get more good racing. Like, we didn't have a women's Roubaix until recently. That's fantastic. We get a second Roubaix. I mean, Chad, every year we're like, oh, we can't wait for Roubaix. It's the most fun race to watch. Now we get two of them. Like the more yeah. of that kind of stuff we can get, the better, you know, the more better women's racing, the, the, the audience wants it, but the, the industry is holding it back. And this is just an example where the industry is short-sighted hurting itself by not just opening its eyes to what's right in front of them. And it's, you know, hopefully, you know, I'm sure I'm quite, I'm very positive. Nobody working for specializes listening to the Velo Chumps podcast. But if anybody <laughs> that is listening knows someone that works for specialized, you might want to mention to them like, Hey, you need to get a female in the marketing room to give you a little bit of insight that obviously you're missing, or you're going to have a better chance to get some of the insight that obviously you're missing because this, this was just a big miss and not just specialize any, any bike brand would benefit from having that perspective in the room. Yeah, I mean, we have no idea who is in the marketing room at specialized any way, shape or form, but yeah, it does feel like a missed opportunity in, oh, yeah. in high have not marketed this bike which it doesn't even i mean yeah they've got some marketing literature for that it is different than the previous bike but it's it's not different enough that if you saw one at 20 feet away on the street it would take you a minute to probably yep recognize it so you know you got to do everything you can to differentiate your bike in in this world probably amongst the other brands um especially when your current bike looks a lot like your old bike yeah i don't know mm -hmm. it seemed like it, it does seem like the Tour de France Femmes was the event that I would have launched this bike at. Um, and, you, you know, well, the other thing was you have you have SRAM, right, as the main sponsor. Mm -hmm. I think they're also the sponsor for SD Works. And both the group set and the bike could have won. It would have been like a double whammy. It would have been all good. Both could have touted, hey, look, we're this championship-winning group set, championship-winning yeah. bike. And we win on all terrains. We win on all types of stages. We, yeah. we just win. We, that's what we do. We win. I, it, you know, incredible. Again, so. we're armchair quarterbacking this different sport, but yeah, you know, mixing my sports metaphors here. But you know, in hindsight, it, I guess it's unfair of us to say that. But no, it's not unfair. It was pretty obvious. It's a big miss. It feels that way to me. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I think we uh, we talked about that a lot, Chad. Um, I unfortunately did not come prepared. I did not have a factoid ready. For this oh, week, no. oh, I don't no. know if you had one ready. No, no factory ready. Think. Well, that's unfortunate. You know what that means, Chad? That means we're going gonna... to end the podcast. But what that also <laughs> means is that we're going to now require Mike Green to have two factoids next week. I I don't I don't you know one of his factoids isn't necessarily good, <laughs> so I'm afraid that two of them would be maybe. One too many for our listening audience. <laughs> Very small group. No, I have faith that he is going to come back with some doozies because he's had a few weeks off. He's been, you know, um, understandably busy with Leadville, so he hasn't been on the pod for a few weeks. And um, the pre the last pactoid we actually did was mine, so he's had almost a month off. So I'm pretty confident he's going to come back with some hitters. That's what I'm telling myself anyway. That's I'm going to choose to remain positive here. We we better text him here in about the next fifteen minutes and let him know he's got kind of a week. He's on after the he's on the hook for two. Yeah, he's on the hook for coming up with another factoid. Um, I mean, there is a you know there's a Jason Statham movie came out right Meg Could, Two. Yeah. I mean, is could we have Jason Statham rolled into well, rolled into a factoid here for the podcast? I mean, look, he's going to have to give us a Leadville factoid, I would imagine, right? I mean, that should be a requirement of him at this point. So he spent enough time out there, so. Anyway, we're going we're gonna to call it a night here. We would like to point out, you can check us out on uh, Instagram now, at VeloChumps. We have some uh, video. Chad, have you checked out the video that we posted on our own Instagram? No? I don't think probably you didn't. But anyway, no, last sorry. week, 
yeah, last week we did a race side episode at the Intelligentsia Cup, and we put some cool videos up there. I mean, these crit races are pretty fun. I would definitely encourage you again, check out the at VeloChumps on Instagram. Check that out. See some of the cool stuff we put up from the races. Also, of course, listen to the companion episode if you missed that one. Chad, you should listen to that one too. I bet you haven't listened to it, but it was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, but that yeah, you should listen to that one. It's pretty cool. Um, but we 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 had some cool stuff there, so check that out. We also would highly encourage you to tell your friends and family about the show so we can get you continue to bring you great content content, more episodes. Please give us a rating or review. It helps us grow the audience. And uh what what else? Anything else, Chad, we need to mention before we go? That's good. I, th- I think that's I think that's pretty good. I, d- I think Green had had mentioned we do have a very very tiny set of I think it's marketing apparel for Velo Chumps. Yeah. I think we have I think we have been floating the idea of maybe opening that up to the general yeah. public. But I think we got some pretty good kudos or props. I think was it check in for one of the uh, stage yeah, race at the, the Leadville stage know. race check in. Someone wanted to buy a Velo Chumps t shirt from him. Where did where do they get the Velo Chumps t shirt? So I don't know if there's enough interest from our audience. But, well, you know, Chad. Well, leave, leave leave it leave leave some comments. I think we could yes maybe do something out here, right? Chad, since you you wouldn't know this since you haven't checked our own Instagram, but there are pictures. <laughs> there are some pictures on the Instagram of some of us wearing the Velo Chumps t-shirt so you can get to see what that looks like. It, it's actually, you know, you don't even have to check the, well, you should check the Instagram, but you probably see the logo on the podcast app that you're using. And it's just that logo on the t-shirt, but it's pretty cool looking. You can see it and you can see it us modeling it live. It's a pretty cool looking t-shirt. So if you want one of those, if you're interested in one of those, you can, you know, comment on the Instagram post, send us a, a DM on Instagram. And if we, if we have that interest, we can see what we can do. That's a good point, Chad. Fellow Chumps yeah. merch out there. Yeah, there, there needs to be more than the five of us buying t-shirts, which I think was how we launched the first merch. Yeah. And I think everyone in my family now has a Velo Chumps t-shirt. Awesome. <laughs> whether they listen to us or not. So, yeah. So if there is greater interest, we could maybe launch that. We'll see. Yep. We're very, yep. let us, we're yep. very let small. Us yeah. <laughs> but otherwise, I think we're going to call it a night. Uh, we will be back again. Like I talked about this. Keep uh, keep your ears peeled. Keep tuned in. We are going to be back with a Leadville 100 mountain bike race recap from our Velo Chumps, Mike and Ryan, who are participating in that race. Again, good luck to them on this coming Saturday. And uh, yeah, keep an ear out for that. I'm excited. I'm really excited to follow. Like, do we have their bib numbers and everything yet? Like, yeah, we we'll, we'll get that. We we don't have it, but I don't have it. But we'll, you know what? We'll if we get the tracking info, we'll put it on the Instagram. So in the next few there days, you can check on the Instagram. And if you want to track Mike and Ryan in the during the the Leadville 100, the info will be there. How about that? Sound good? Fantastic. All right. Well, check that out, and we will check in with you guys uh, next time. All right. Later. See ya. Hey, have you even been listening to what I've been saying? I've been talking to you for the last 10 minutes.